We continue our series in the book of Philippians, To Live as Christ, and we turn this morning to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Just prior to this chapter, in 1, I believe, 1 verse 27, Paul had challenged the Christians in Philippi, as he does us this morning, to live a life worthy of the gospel in Christ Jesus. Our lives are different when Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior. Live a life worthy of the gospel. In the beginning of chapter 2 here, now Paul goes into detail of what that life worthy of the gospel looks like. And we read this this morning as we seek to understand and take upon ourselves uh, what it means. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 8, these words, therefore, now therefore goes back to if you live a life worthy of the gospel, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, having been made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One thing that, that just jumped out at me as I began studying these, these first four verses in the past few weeks was this whole matter of things that we have in common. At least those who belong to Jesus Christ, to those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to those who belong to the body of Jesus Christ, which we are as a congregation, there are certain things that those who are part of the body of Jesus Christ, we share in common. Did you notice those things as we read those verses? First of all, he says something that we share in common is being united in Christ. Now, I have a book in my office by Lewis Smeads entitled Union with Christ. It's about that thick. And theologically, it's kind of deep. But for those of you who want something kind of deep to understand this, this whole concept of being united with Christ, I'll be glad to pass that on to you to read. Simply, being united with Christ, something we share means, just as Christ died and rose again from the dead, being united with Christ, this thing that we share in common is, is that once we come to Christ, we are dead to our sins as he died, and we become alive to a new life that Jesus gives us, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. How does the rest of it go? The old is, and the new is 
come to life. Our union with Christ is something we share in common. In other words, sometimes you talk about the church as a family. We are family, and Christ made that all possible through his death and resurrection. Together, united with Christ. Something else it says is, 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 is that we are comforted from his love. Think about that for a moment. If we had perfect love for each other, we could comfort each other always in that kind of love. The kind of love that Christ has for us is unconditional, right? This is that agape kind of love. Doesn't matter what you do, good or bad, Christ will never stop loving you if you're his child. We're not always so good at that as, as individuals, as parents, as siblings, with neighbors, with co-workers. If anyone is in Christ, we receive comfort from his love as well. It's an unconditional kind of love. We're able to comfort each other. Think about it. When you go through a difficult time, when you have a Christian friend or a pastor or an elder, someone who you're tight with, they come to you, they can comfort you in the love of Christ because they care for you. We have that in common. And this thing about sharing what we have in common with the Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost... Can you think for a moment about all the things that we share, that we have in common, because the Holy Spirit has been given to us on this day of Pentecost? Think about the gifts of the Spirit. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Think about the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives, and as we sang, to change a nation. Think about the Spirit as someone in Galatians talks about trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit as we seek to live the Christian life. The major part of the work of the Holy Spirit is, is making us holy, to be Christ-like. This is something we have in common. We share that with each other and we enjoy the benefits. That being the case, Paul says in verse 2, listen to this challenge. He says, listen, since we have all of these things in common, be like-minded in one spirit and in one mind. Now, that doesn't mean that you all have to think alike in everything. Right? That doesn't exist. We can have differences of opinion. And yet in our differences of opinion in matters, we still are one in mind and one in purpose as the church of Jesus Christ. Another way to talk about this as being one in mind is, is this attribute of, of the church. There are four great attributes of the church. Go home and find out what the other three are. But one of the biggest ones is unity. The unity of the church is always guarded. Never at the expense of truth. But the unity of the church is important. We are one in Christ, not just as a congregation, but as churches throughout the world. We are one. We are to be like-minded as Christians. What's one of the great attributes of the church? Something else Paul talks about as the verses continue is something that we share in common that we don't like really to mention too often. You see, there are certain things we share in common that are really good. They're, they're virtuous. But there's other things that we share in common that, well, they're not very good. Um, they're really vices. Did you catch them as you read through this passage? Because these are things, the reason we have to hear this, these are things that Satan wants to get a hold of. And he wants to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, if I can get people to have this certain kind of mindset, I can use that to my end to break apart congregations, to break apart the church of Jesus Christ. And to just have them all pretty much disintegrate. Look at what he says. There are certain things you share in common. Due to our sinful condition, verse 3, he talks about selfish ambition. 
selfish ambition is, is the attitude of mind that it's all about me, myself, and I. I only live for one purpose. I live for myself. And that's what it's all about. It's all about me. Uh, I'm always looking out for number one. And whatever decisions I make, whether I'm a, uh, with my church family or otherwise, it's all about me and what I want. Selfish ambition Satan uses to break down the unity. And then he says vain conceit. And this is just a matter of uh, excessive self-esteem. And whenever I read that, I think of the Beauty and the Beast. And that guy on there who had a pretty excessive self-esteem, whose name was, I know Kyle knows, Gaston, right? Can you just hear him singing that song and, and puffing out his chest as he walked around? Excessive self-esteem. Vain conceit, he says. Vain conceit. In verse 3, he says, another thing to watch out for is valuing ourselves above others. It's not that you have to think less of yourself. But it's so easy for us to value ourselves and what we think about matters and who we are above others, as if there's some kind of pecking order in the Christian life, that I'm more important than you are, therefore you should listen to me. Or see me of value greater than others. In verse 4 he says also this matter of looking to our own interest. Not the interest of others. That's just you know, the selfishness that comes naturally to us. That's part of our sinful condition. Isn't it true that when we make decisions. No matter what kind of relationship you're in. Pretty much we want to step forward and, and we're looking out for our best interest. And if things are going in the direction of my best interest, I'm all for it. But if it's not in my best interest, not so much. Think about it when government makes decisions about bills they pass and where money is going to be going. And everybody's kind of crying out for their age group or for their best interest. Well, I don't mind if you take it away from this age group or from these people, but you sure better give me my share. That's looking out for your best interest. This is really a matter of uh, having personal preferences, um, having personal desires, personal opinions, and of course, the one thing that sets community church apart from other churches is we don't have those here, do we? Right? We, we all have the same preference and the same opinion and the same desires as everybody else, and of course, that isn't true. We just have to start talking about you know, we all like to worship the exact same way, the worship style. That's why you're here. When it comes to songs that we sing, oh my, Kyle's job is so easy. Because everyone loves all the songs. And they're all the songs that you like to sing. Um, how about when it comes to versions of the Bible? I'm always amazed when I sit around the table with some other people who are not necessarily of the Reformed persuasion, how much they, they value one Bible translation over another, and that there is no other word of God except that one translation, right? They have a personal preference. Can you remember the days of wearing a mask? Hmm. Boy, I was, I was so glad. Literally, there were churches who split. Pastors who left congregations during the time of COVID because of that. 
Literally, Satan using that to destroy. It's a good thing we didn't have that problem here. Everyone all agreed that when we should wear masks is and when we shouldn't, right? As far as, that's how I remember it, at least, or not. No, you see, we have personal opinions, and that's okay. But those opinions can sometimes differ from others. Man, and where do you begin when you talk about biblical and theological interpretation? We could just go up and down each row here this morning and find differences in, in theological interpretations and biblical interpretations, which aren't necessarily uh, the same in all of us because the Bible doesn't make everything crystal clear. Or how about this one? Let's just say you're, you're, you're at a position or a place in the church's life when you're going to call a pastor. Let's just use that as an example, okay? Who would you like to come? Do you have an opinion? Do you have a preference? He should be young. He should be old. He should have a certain kind of personality. He better have a family. And it goes on and on. I've been through this so many times in my ministry. What, what you want, and funny thing, when you get together as a congregation and start talking about potential candidates, I always found it amazing that everyone's in agreement and every vote is always 100% when they want to call someone. Or isn't that quite the case? And of course it's not. Because we all have personal opinions, right? We have an idea of the, who the next person should be and, and what kind of person they should be. And let's not even go to the whole political world, but we'll just step into it quick. That's why I love being here for these seven years. Politically, we're all of the same mind, or aren't we? Okay, you see what Paul is getting at here? Differences of opinion. Desires. He says, listen. Did you hear that, what he says in these verses? He says, listen. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the selfish ambition. Get rid of the vain conceit that is embedded in our hearts because of that old nature, that old person inside of us. You've got to put them to death, right? Colossians talks about that. Galatians 5 verse 20 says these are acts of the flesh. And Galatians 5 is that chapter all about the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. He says these are things that are acts of the flesh, of the sinful nature, and you've got to break away from them. Satan wants you to hold on to them. Satan wants you to get angry when you're sitting by someone or speaking with someone and you're making a decision on what we're going to do with this, that, or the other thing. He wants you to fight and to be angry and not accept each other because each of you is trying to win the other over on what you think is right. You've been in those discussions, right? You better think like me because if you don't think like me, you're wrong. I'm right. And I'm the only one that's right, and I'm going to keep fighting for it. And unless you agree with me, I can't have, be in relationship with you. Thinking that one in mind means that kind of thinking. He says, get rid of the pride. Get rid of those acts of the flesh. He says in Galatians 5, you've got to live by the Spirit. You've got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit, the Spirit of Pentecost. And it says, there's a verse that says in there, that you are to serve each other in Humility, right? That's this, the, the, the opposite of, of, the, of the selfish ambition and the vain conceit, the pride. Be humble. Now, the good news is, as, as Paul writes these letters, he says, maybe you're wondering what life in the spirit looks like. 
maybe you're wondering what, what life in Christ looks like to those who are united. And how do you serve each other? And the way that God wants us to serve each other when it comes to this whole concept of community and unity, Paul says, listen, I'm going I'm to give you the post-child, the poster child of humility. He says, there's, there's many saints I could turn to. In fact, uh, I believe in verse 21 of the same chapter, he, he praises a, a certain disciple for being a man who not, did not seek after his own interests. But he says, I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. He says, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. A and let me tell you about a mindset. Let me tell you about an attitude that Jesus had that set him apart from the rest of everyone else in the world as a human when he lived here. Let me tell you about a certain attitude he possessed and a mindset. And if you can take on this kind of mindset and attitude, you'll be living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some of you heard of Michael Jordan, maybe. Boy, Scotty Pippen's really beating him up lately, isn't he again? There's that commercial, man, how many years ago was this? Be like Mike, Gatorade commercial, right? Be like Mike. In other words, you can be that kind of basketball player. Now, there takes a lot of things like, like good integrity and hard work and the whole nine yards. But, but children in that age who, who idolized Michael Jordan were doing all in their power to be like Mike, even to the point of spending that $100, $200 to get a pair of, what were they called? Air Jordans. How many of you have a pair of Air Jordans? Be like Mike. Paul is saying, listen, be like Christ. Imitate him. Imitate Christ's humility. And he says, what does that look like? He says, let me tell you in, in verses 6 through 8. He says, look. He, he says, try to get this, he says. Uh, how amazing, how unbelievable Jesus is as the person who showed us how to be humble. Jesus, as God, did not use his deity to his own advantage. Now think about that for a moment. Verse 6. He already had it made in the shade, we might say. Sitting on the throne of God at the right hand, of, already having all power and authority, he was God himself. Why in the world would anyone in their right mind leave the throne where he had all power and come down to earth giving that up? What was the matter with Jesus? Who would do that? You know what it's like to have power. Some of you hold powerful positions. And can you imagine giving that up? And power is often used, right, to get your own advantage. Because I hold a certain position, I have the edge. But as sinful human beings, we, we want to grasp that kind of power and use it to our own advantage because I'm in a position in which I can. Paul says, listen, think of Jesus as who is God. He did not use his deity to his advantage. Rather, in verse 7, he says, he made himself nothing. This is that kenosis passage. That's that, that Hebrew word for emptying himself. Jesus 
emptying himself of, of self. Now, he didn't empty himself of his godness. He just kind of voluntarily laid it aside. He could have used it to his advantage, but he says, I'm not going to use it to my advantage. Why? Because I'm thinking of the best interest of others. It's kind of like this. Consider Jesus as the CEO of the universe. And think of someone who might be a CEO type here. And what does he do as the CEO of the universe? He goes all the way down to the mailroom. Right? Right where you start. I'm going to go to earth. I'm going to the mailroom. Some of you maybe are still in the mailroom, and that's okay. You've got to start someplace. But Jesus comes all the way down to the mailroom. And for those of us who understand the mailroom and the CEO concept, if you're in the mailroom, you start working your way back up to being CEO. There have been people who started in the mailroom who are CEOs today. Jesus already had that. He says, I'm going to give that up. I'm going to empty myself of self because my life is not about me, myself, and I. I'm going to give it up. I'll go down to the mailroom. In fact, Mark reminds us through Jesus' words himself that I did not come here to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And then in verse 8 he adds, he says, Jesus put on humanity, humbling himself, that he became obedient unto death. This is self-sacrifice. We don't fully get this. It's really difficult for us to understand. We can understand a little bit as we talk about veterans, those who've died in service, as we remember them, especially tomorrow. Self-sacrifice, right? They gave their lives for the greater good, for our best interest. That's why it's so important to not forget and to say thank you. Jesus comes down as God himself setting him, himself aside, things outside of his best interest. Do you think it was his best interest to die on the cross? I don't think so. But surely it was for our best interest. He gives up his life as a ransom for our benefit. Our sins would not be forgiven. Eternity would not be something that we can possess or have had Jesus not in obedience to God the Father, was willing to go through God's plan and purpose for his life. Jesus gives up, it doesn't gives up, he lays aside a certain part of his deity to put on humanity so that we could have life. Obedience to death, humility, humbleness. I not only have a book in my office, I think I read about a thousand books over the last several months. And so I'm kind of cut down before I take off. Because I just don't read them anymore. I want to bless somebody else with them. But, but I've kept one book, the one I mentioned by, by uh, Lewis Smead's Union with Christ. But you've got to, it's theologically deep, but that's okay. Some of you are there. Some of you are still babes, maybe not quite ready for it. But those of you who are on the opposite end, it's good for you to read it. It's only about this thick. I have another book by, and I've mentioned it before from this pulpit, Thomas Kempis, called The Imitation of Christ. And I'm going to be using that as my devotional for a while because it's so good. He lived like in the 1400s. But he was one of these, these, these Christians, kind of monk-like, who just lived, went into a, this, this quiet place and, and communed with God, like, deeply. 
powerful words just as he just continued to contemplate on Christ. And this is what he said about humility. This book is called Imitation of Christ. It does not harm you to consider yourself worse than other men, but it does great harm to exalt yourself even above one. That's what Paul is talking about. Exactly. So go back again for a moment and think about some of your personal interests, desires, preferences, opinions. And I just mentioned a few earlier. Um, nothing wrong with having a personal opinion, right? Nothing wrong with it. You're, you, you are owed a personal opinion and a desire and a preference. It's your right. But there's everything wrong when you elevate your opinion above everybody else's and to think because you have spoken, that's the way it has to be. And that you're not going to get into the, where, the, where the majority might be or to help maintain the unity of community church because you're not going to stop yiping until you get what you want. Friends, that's elevating yourself above others. That's selfish ambition. That's vain conceit. That's seeking your own interest and not the interest of others. That's valuing yourself above others. And Paul reminds us, the Bible reminds us this morning, God will have nothing to do with that kind of attitude. And that being the case, he says, do what needs to be done to be more like Christ and imitating his humility. For most of us this morning, it's always a call to repentance. Jesus, boy, uh, I've been selfish. Your Holy Spirit that you gave me, that Pentecost spirit, is convicting me this morning. And I didn't realize how selfish I've, I've become in what I want in this place called community. In this matter of vain conceit, having this excessive opinion of myself. Lord, I repent when I seek my best interest over others. Lord, forgive me that, I, that I'm not willing to lay aside myself for others. Repentance is just a, such a needed spiritual discipline. And it should be done often by each of us. Every day, I would say. Repenting, let, let the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you, me, our sin, full self. What am I missing? Lord, open my eyes. Make me more Christ-like. In that kind of prayer, you're really asking the Holy Spirit to come in and to move. Not just move among us all, that's important, but, but to move in your heart. Why? To make us more humble, to make us more caring, selfless, and sharing. God, help me to deal with the me-itis inside of me. I want to be a blessing to people. I don't want to come across that things have to go my way or else. Imitate Christ, humility, do your part. Make a commitment this morning to do your part in becoming more Christ-like and to helping this congregation to remain united. I'm tired of hearing of 
churches that are splitting and pastors and congregations that are splitting due to personal opinions that should not divide them. If it's truth, that's a different story. But if there are things that they're allowed to think in the way they're thinking, to somehow meet with each other and accept each other in love and in humility. This is why Jesus died. We're going to be coming to the table in just a moment. This is why Jesus died. So that what was destroyed regarding our unity, the relationships that have been hurt, he says, I'm going to die. And because of my blood and my self-sacrifice, I'm going to make it possible for everyone who becomes my follower to live a, a life of sacrifice as well. Which calls for me and it calls for you to be willing to sacrifice some things that are important to you for the sake of the community at large. And if Jesus had not died, we would not be able to do that. But he did, and he ascended, and he sent the Holy Spirit. And now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to become Christ-like in that way, of the same mind and of the same spirit. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Sometimes it, it bites us. Sometimes it gets our attention because we easily become blind to our selfishness, to our conceit. Forgive us, Jesus. Help us not to think about other people as, as you speak to us this morning, but help us to look into our own hearts, our own attitudes. Lord, we all need an attitude adjustment when it comes to this. And we want that attitude adjustment to be more Christ-like. Oh, can we uh, help us to mirror Jesus Christ, his selflessness, his life, his obedience. Help us to value each other above ourselves. Help us to look to the best interests of others and not what's in it for me. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, send your spirit again with a filling. And all of us here at Community, as we seek to be one in Christ and to remain one in Christ, especially when we have differences of opinion. In Jesus' name, join me in saying, amen.